There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane Gregory. <laughs> it's, it's Lane. She's Lane de Gregory. <laughs> Lost her name. Hold on. Hey, do you have your phone with you? Yes, I'm timing. Are you, are you timing? Okay. Do, do you think you could text Dan? Do you have Dan in your thing and just tell him not to come get me? Because he has my car and I told him to come at 7. Oh, wait. Is it 7? Oh, yeah. shit. Are we late? We're late. Gosh, we're late. Uh, it was my phone. No, I don't have Dan seven. in my phone. Okay, he can just wait. Wait, wait. Oh, no. What's the number? You, you don't, don't know, know the number. No, I know. It's 727. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, let me stop recording so yes. people don't call you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start again. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Don't look at me. See, now I'm... <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on. I'll look at Lane. We'll look into each other's eyes. Do that. Okay. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. On the last podcast, we talked about carving out character and the things to look for as you're reporting and trying to paint a true picture of someone. And this is a complement to that conversation. Today's topic, 30 questions. Okay, so let's start with how this list of questions came to be. Uh, when, when Mike uh, Wilson and I, my old editor, who's the editor of the Dallas Morning News, now he and I were asked to speak at, I think it was the Neiman Conference many years ago. And they wanted us to write about writing profiles on people and how do you truly get what their character's like. So we tried to come up with a list of like 30 generic questions that no matter who you're interviewing or what you're doing the story about, this would help you get through that person's veneer and into their inner thoughts and feelings. So when you're profiling someone, do you run through this entire list or these are just like ones that are in the back of your mind and sometimes you'll pull them out? I kind of have them memorized, but I actually always take the list with me. 30 questions fills exactly a legal pad. So okay. <laughs> you, it has one page, you know, and if you put that in the back of your notebook, um, it, I go through them at the end. Usually at the end of the interview, I go through and check off that I Just ask everything. Sure. Yeah, make sure. I don't always ask everybody everything, but I, I often forget to ask something that might be meaningful. And do you give them time to ponder? Some of these are deep. Some of these are really like they, they I mean, it would. I don't know what I what I do off the spur of the moment, but I do give them time to ponder, or I'll say, "Okay, we'll come back to that." You know what I okay. mean? I don't ever send those ahead of time because right. I feel like that would totally scare people off to have an email of like <laughs> dig into your guts for me. You know, so it's it's much easier to get those uh, off the top of their head or heart. Okay, so I like number one. Tell me the story of your life. <laughs> Is that that open ended? Yeah, actually, that's usually that's usually uh, what I start out with. Like that's almost you always mean starting my, from like when my where were you breaker. born? Where were you? 
that way? Or I, I think I, I modified it now more to a bit to say, tell me your story, okay. you know, and, and like let people decide where they want to start. You know, if, if the story is about their kid who's got leukemia, maybe they're going to start with their kid or maybe they're going to start with them with a baby doll wanting to be a mom or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So like where they start the story, I think. Oh, that can be telling. I want in, them in to have that yeah. permission, you know. Okay. It, it often gives me an idea that I hadn't had about where the story should begin, you right. know. Um, you, you say, okay, what's your earliest memory? Does that often trigger a lot for people? Yeah, that's really telling for a lot of people because it's usually either something like super duper awful and 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 <laughs> great, you know, like formative, or it's something amazing when there was like an, an epiphany or a revelation, you know. And sometimes it's both. Mm. You know what I mean? Like my earliest memory I ever have is my we were going on a walk, and I was like I was probably three, and my sister was in a, a stroller, and my mom was pushing us, and she fell in a manhole. Her, the manhole was like not the manhole cover was like loose so my mom stepped in a manhole and fell in the manhole and the little stroller was there with my little sister and I'm three and my mother's yelling up from the manhole run home and get dad run home and get dad and it was like the first time I remember feeling like I was trusted to do something like grown up and important so it was both awful but also empowering you know what I mean and so that that's my first memory. What happened to your mother? She got terribly awfully bruised and and oh, had to be wow. like yanked out of the manhole by my dad and the neighbor and fuss at the neighborhood people. Who wow, <laughs> the manhole had shot. But but yeah, that you know I don't remember anything up to that point, and for some reason that scene is really like emblazoned in my brain. Hmm. Um, you talk describe your family, house, pets, and how you fit into the dynamics. Yeah, I often want to ask people. You're really going for the psychological profile here, yeah. Yeah, were you the oldest, the youngest, you know, were were you close to your siblings? Did you get beat up as a little kid, you know? I remember interviewing one um, woman one time and asking her how many kids she had, and she sort of stopped and took a breath, and I'm thinking, like, what, are you counting them? Like, what is going, (laughs) you don't know how many kids you have? And she's like, well, you know, I I have Allie, and I have Jack, and I have Katie, and I don't know if you want me to count the other one because she passed, you know, and I was like, okay, I hadn't, I hadn't thought to go there, you know, with her or whatever, mm-hmm. but how do you count your kids? That became like part of the story, you know. Oh. Mm. Um, recreate some family traditions, holidays, the best and worst. Yeah, those are always just good icebreakers. I don't know that they always make it in the story, but when they do, I mean, those like holidays or ceremonies, baptisms, weddings, funerals, things like that are so universal that when you can get somebody to recreate that, I feel like it gives a lot of um, emotional empathy. What did you want to be? Did you picture yourself married with children? So you really you want to take them back to before who they are, whoever they are right then in that moment. Yeah, and, I, you know, I don't think a lot of people, you know, want to grow up and be the, the mowing mailman, you know, the mailman or who mows people's yards or Okay, I know some really. Do you know a lot of mowing? I did. I did a really fun story about a mowing mailman who had much greater aspirations. My mailman doesn't mow the lawn. No, No, it was great. Um, But no, like I for a while, I was really fixated on like cover artists, like. I did a Patsy Cline impersonator and I did an Elvis impersonator Mm -hmm. and like nobody wants to grow up and be a Patsy Cline impersonator you know but this woman had been writing her own music for years and and never being able to make it and at the end when she would ask for you know requests everybody always wanted her to sing a Patsy Cline song so she was like 
oh, they don't like my songs, but they really like Patsy Cline's songs. So she, like, got a wig, and she made a costume, and she started booking herself at, like, old folks' homes, and then she moved on to cruise ships, and then she was playing, like, auditoriums. And she became, like, a famous Patsy Cline impersonator. And then at the end, she would play her songs for an encore and sell her CDs. You know, so it was like a, like asking her what you really wanted to be when you were little. So any asking anybody that what you wanted to be when you were little was is really illustrative. Because then you can see too where they detoured, I guess, and yeah. they went off track. How did that morph into that? You know, mm-hmm. um, were you popular in school? What activities did you do? I think that's really defining of someone. Have you ever you know? found anyone who was popular in school? No, I'm sure there are. Yeah, and they're usually <laughs> the ones that then become losers afterwards. <laughs> Keep that in mind, kids. <laughs> I feel like anybody who's like super duper happy in high school like peaked right there. You know, there's some like Bruce Springsteen glory days thing going on. It's never going to be that good again, kids, you know. But no, like I, I really feel like you know, especially now that my boys have gone through high school and their friends have gone through high school, like, a lot of that is defining. You know, you still talk about 30 years later, I was in the marching band or I was in the drama club or, you know, I was in the 4-H club or whatever it is. Those are those are defining moments in people's personality. I mean, athletes especially. Like, right. goodness me, my husband can't get together with any of his friends and not talk about their soccer days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He hasn't played soccer in 30 years, but it's still who he thinks of himself as, right. you know, and it's it's very defining. Now, he might not bring that up to you if you're talking about another story, but if you ask them that question, you're going to get to that. Right. Um, who were your heroes and why, and who are they now? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. A hard one for people to ask answer about now. I think mm-hmm. people always had a hero when they were growing up, even if it was someone fictitious, you know. But thinking about now, like, who do you admire? Who do you look up to? That is a, uh, yeah, it's not something you spend a lot of time thinking about, I would imagine. People yeah. ponder it, and then it's also pretty revelatory, you know. What was your first experience with death? Not uplifting, but no. <laughs> <laughs> also very formative, though, you know, and it, it kind of vacillates between, often between grandma, grandparents and animals are usually a lot of people's first right. run-in with death and, and how that formulated, for, formatted your relationship with life a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know. How did you meet your girlfriend, spouse, best friend? I always ask that question. I love how you met stories. I, I think those are to me. Even if it's not going to do anything in the story, you're just you're still trying to get a sense of who this person is. Yeah, and, and how they make connections, how they decide what kind of relationships they want to embark on, you mm-hmm. know. Tell me about the most difficult decision you ever had to make. Wow, that's a tough question, man. Like, Okay. I know, and some of them seem do like people therapists. Have it off their, don't, don't they feel they like do. therapy it questions? Feels like a, yeah, it feels like a therapy session. That's what I was trying to get into. Like, like how do you really probe the depths of people's But I like it because you're, you're, not, you're trying to get away from surface things. You're trying to get them to talk about things that are real, right? But, and decisions are such big turning points. You know, right. I'm, I'm always looking for a turning point in somebody's life, either for better or for worse. You know, right. so making a decision, whether it worked out or not, it, I like to hear how people balance the options and why they chose one path over the other or if the decision was wrecked out of their hands you know does it say something to you the way they answer the question too like if somebody could answer that question right off the top of their head because I think I'd have to really think about that yeah doesn't that I mean I think that's revealing too like do you you know because it's something you've thought about again and again and again this moment or do you have to delve back and go oh yeah that was important or Mm -hmm. you know that 
that made a difference. And I didn't used to report for that stuff, but now I do. I would I would rewrite if you hesitated, or you know, Maria needed a few minutes to get her thoughts together right. and contemplate this. You know, and is that because there were so many decisions, or is that because you can't remember one? You know, I would probably right. ask you that too. Or because I don't want to tell you. No, there's that. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta. I feel like I do at least. I mean, we've talked about this in other podcasts about sharing yourself a little bit. Right. And sometimes I'll kind of fill the time and try to fill the hole or the time and be like, "Well, I don't know about you, but this," and tell them my little anecdotal story, and then it kind of opens up, gives them permission a little bit more. Did you come to that naturally, just because it felt more conversational and more like? Because I would, I, I think some reporters struggle with that. How much of yourself do you give away, and how much do you, how much back and forth? Yeah, I think that's a really fine line. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I worry sometimes I'm giving too much or I'm boring them by giving them too much of me. So I try to shorthand me but give them enough about me to connect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I know not everybody's comfortable doing that. And it's definitely not something you do if you're doing, you know, an investigative right. gotcha story necessarily. Right. But um, I, I think it does help humanize me um, and make people feel more connected and, and given more permission to uh to d- dig inside. What do you dream about? That's an interesting question. Yeah. And I, people tell you. Pe- people <laughs> sometimes tell me, and, and, they, and you know, they, if you want you to clarify, like, you mean dream, like, like nighttime dreams, or, like, what are my dreams and aspirations? And right. I'll be like, either one. You know, where do you want to go with this? Or both, absolutely, you know. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have recurring dreams, which I don't necessarily try to analyze, but if you can put someone's recurring dream in a story and let the readers make their own thing out of it, it's mm-hmm. something that's definitely formative, you know? Yeah. I could see that. Um, who knows you best and who do you confide in? Yeah, because that gives you the next best source to go to <laughs> and get good stuff on, you know? She doesn't and really care about you. She's just trying to figure out who knows you best and where I can peel back the A layers. little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think... You know, who you confide in says a lot because it's surprising how many people it's not their spouse. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then that also says something about relationships. It does really feel like a therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you believe in God? Go to church? What do you What do you pray for? I almost always ask people at, at difficult moments, um, were you praying at that moment? And, and were you praying like, oh, God, <laughs> because there's, you just need to, like, shout some kind of, you know, expletive or are you praying because you really wanted God to listen, you know? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And a lot of times it's quick, like, I don't believe in God. I don't go to church. That's not on my mind. You're fine. Like, okay, I know this. I'm wiping this away. But when it comes out, sometimes it really opens up these rivers. Um, and, I mean, the story that we're working on right now about this guy who was accused of a sex crime, you know, I I didn't ask him right away. He didn't offer anything right away. But when he was taken to jail the first night and he's sitting there alone and he's yelling at God, I said, what were you doing in that cell while you were waiting to be booked? He's like, I was yelling at God. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the story, I mean, it's a big part of the story now is his relationship with God, um, which it didn't start out being, you know. Um, You ask, are you politically involved? How active? Why? 
I've stopped asking that as much lately. <laughs> that used to be kind of just to tell me another facet of your self story, and I feel like now it maybe opens way too many uh, one way or the other blocks or doors gets, or yeah. yeah, or then people turn it back in me and want to know my political views, and it's, you know yeah. I don't want to go there at all. So yeah. that doesn't get asked unless like it's actually something to do with it anymore. It used right. to get asked all the time. <laughs> you ask what's in your wallet or purse. Car, iPod, refrigerator. So wallet or purse, what are you looking for? You're just trying to see what they, what's important to them? What's Yeah, and now phone's a big part of that, right. too. I should add that to the list, you know. But w- wallet or purse, what do you carry? You know, what's what's the most important things to you? Um, mm-hmm. and, and what does that say about you, you know? And, and going along for the ride, yeah, I think we talked about that in an earlier podcast, but getting in someone's car tells a lot about who they are, too. You know, like, what's what's in their car? Do I've done stories where people obviously like live out of their car either because they're traveling all the time or or they're sleeping in their car because they got kicked out of their house or, you know, whatever like that. Um, And one time I was doing a story with the car ride wasn't really part of it, but I'm I'm in the car and this man is um, playing these old tapes of this person who's like singing really badly. And I'm like, who are we listening to here? And he's like, oh, my wife, you know, she, she used to like to sing at home and we'd make these little tapes and. I lost her seven years ago, and that's when I started doing this job. I was like, oh, you know, it was this whole epiphany. Like, yeah. I wouldn't have thought to ask if I hadn't been writing. Actually, I was writing, and it was a like a truck with no seats, so we were, like, sitting on milk crates, like, jagging along, listening to this terrible t- cassette tape. But it took my interview in a whole new direction. <laughs> um, what do you worry about most for yourself, your family, the world? That's a deep question. And sometimes the world goes too far, too. Sometimes yeah. you got to be sitting there. You're like, okay, I don't have time for the world. <laughs> There's world too peace. much to be talked yeah. about here. Now, I think what are your worries is just important as what are your dreams, you know. And and um, it's interesting, you know, that that'll elicit everything from I'm too fat to my father's going to die to my dog has cancer to, you know, a huge variety of things that, that – People are, are will say as their very top worry, you know, if you ask them. What do you want most with what's left of your life? Damn. <laughs> it's kind of like asking the bucket list, you know. And I, I think, mm-hmm. again, that this forces you to really, like, narrow things down about what's most important to you, you right. know, or what are your goals or dreams that haven't been met, mm-hmm. you know. What are you searching for? Questions you still have. This is pondering the universe again, right? No. Yeah. You? I mean, I, I guess kind of like some of the other ones, just trying to dig as deep as you can, um, searching for meaning or searching for faith or searching for money or a do partner. Get, do you get the sense that a lot of people don't, when you're asking some of these questions, that they don't really think about this that often? They don't stop to think about these things that often? Yeah. And, and some people, I mean, I have to be honest, some people who I can tell are not introspective enough to go there. I won't bother right. with all of those. Right. You know what I mean? But but. Usually by four or five questions in, I can tell, like, okay, can I keep going? Can they keep hanging out with me in, right. this, in this intellectual level, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and this is not on there, but I, I always ask people if they have questions for me, too, mm-hmm. you know? This one's a tough one. What do you regret, regret and why? That's my favorite question. Do people really confess a lot? Of Almost with- everybody. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when I was younger, I would be asked, like, what were the mistakes you made? Or what did you yeah. do wrong? And right. it was formulated more in that direction that people don't want to admit or answer to. But regret is almost safe. Mm-hmm. Because regret is like, 
a realization that something could have been different or that maybe you, you took the wrong turn at a certain time. And people are amazingly honest, or I don't know if they're honest, but they're open <laughs> about what that is and, and how they wish things could have been differently, you know. Mm. I mean, I know one of the things we talked about in an earlier podcast was talking to the people closest to you, you know. And um, I was doing a story one time about um, a middle school English teacher. And she was, she had, I think she had MS, and she was in like one of those, you know, drivable carts. Everybody loved Mrs. Clark. She was like the bomb freaking diggity of the middle school theater department and chorus department. And she had this class of like learning disabled and, and uh, physically disabled kids. And they were putting on Cinderella as her last play. So I was trying to find the bruise on the apple, like we've talked about earlier. Like, what's wrong with Mrs. Clark? She's so saintly and perfect, and there's got to be something wrong with this amazingly perfect woman who's overcome all these obstacles and fighting MS and teaching the poor little disabled kids and I couldn't find anything you know I interviewed her co-workers I interviewed her principal I interviewed her husband I interviewed her neighbors I interviewed everybody could think of and nobody had anything even neutral to say about Mrs. Clark it was all just accolade on accolade on accolade and uh, I finally asked her that question I said so you're retiring after all these years you know do you have any regrets and she started crying and uh <laughs> when I can get people to cry, I know I've asked the right question. And she said, you know, I've spent 30 years teaching and mothering and mentoring all these children with many, many problems. And I don't feel I paid enough time, attention and time to my own daughter. Mm. And then I was like, can I talk to your daughter? <laughs> but it was so genuine and so real. And her daughter was mad about it. You know, her her daughter was like, yeah, I feel like I was always like not third fiddle, but 30th fiddle in my mom's world. And I didn't get her to be my mother. And so. Wow, that's a different dimension to that story than just Absolutely. A, wow. It totally changed the story and it totally made her more human in a way mm-hmm. than if I just said, here, readers, read about this perfect right. person. You know, like she totally humanized her and hopefully made somebody else maybe pay more attention to their kid in the moment, you know? And you might not have gotten that if you hadn't asked that particular question. She might not have offered that up. Oh, no. I had talked to her about Debbie and about how great her daughter was and how her daughter helped all these kids, you know, while they were all the disabled kids. Her daughter was like the second mom to them, and she was always so supportive and everything. So it was all completely positive and platitudes until I asked her about the regret. Oh, man. Here's another one. If (laughs) This is a tough one. If you could relive any moment, what would it be? Would you change it? Yeah, a lot of people have a big pause on that. I know Denise is like, don't ask me that question. <laughs> Denise and I, my head, our heads are exploding. Yes, it's like, what? I don't know. Again, there's that. How many of them could we relive? <laughs> could we relive a lot? Could we relive the whole 70s? Would that be possible? Yeah. That, that's kind of the combo, though, right, of, of like turning point and regret at the same time. Like... <laughs> What one word best describes you? Yeah. I, do people do, do can, can people, will they come up with something quickly? Or is that one one that usually takes some time? Sometimes. And, and, and I think sometimes it depends on someone's ego too. I mean, athlete or football player right. or trumpeter is usually pretty easy for people, right. you right. know, to come up with. But the people who I think are less sure of their own identity mm-hmm. or their own path, it's a little bit harder and sometimes it's like well my mother always said spunky you know or my father always said morbid or you know that would be somebody else's description interpretation of them instead of something that they had come upon as their own mantra what do people misunderstand or assume about you 
That's a good question. I can, like, you know. Yeah, if I'm doing something about somebody who's been accused of something or somebody who's right. going to be perceived as, like, a bad guy, that's usually a pretty high up in the order question. You know, like, like okay, everybody says you killed your wife. You know, what do they not know about you that would be, you I know? buy Girl Scout cookies every year. <laughs> yes. Or my wife was a raging alcoholic and she beat me with a shoe. You know, like, maybe yeah. you don't know that part of it. You know, like, <laughs> I, I think... It gives people a chance to um, uh, redefine themselves in a way mm -hmm. or, or to buck something somebody else might have assumed about them. Here's a companion question. Tell me something about you that few people know. Yeah, that's sort Same of the kind follow of idea. up to that, yeah. right? Sometimes you get really weird answers for that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you what's on my computer. Right. Yeah. Um, what my tattoos. <laughs> Often someone will show you a random tattoo at that point, and you're like, oh, I wouldn't have asked you to pull down your pants, but thanks for the tramp stamp. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What bugs you most about yourself, others? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, that's usually not as as productive, Pretty, yeah. you know. They can talk about pet peeves about other people, but what bugs you most about yourself doesn't really often yield very much deep. Like, do you want your children to be like you when they grow up? Why? Wow. Yeah, or in what way? In I some think, ways, right. in some ways, not. Yeah, and that's what that elicits. Like, because mm -hmm. that also is a way of saying, like, what do you like about yourself, and mm -hmm. what don't you like about yourself, mm -hmm. or what you, what are you worried about that you like screwed these kids up over versus what did you endow them with that that might give them some hope or or potential? <laughs> what are you most proud of? That's. I think that's a great question yeah. for everybody. Because it gives people a chance to sort of like toot their own horn, even if they're in a bad. I mean, a lot of people I write about are in a bad situation. So being able to say what they're proud of is. is uh, uh, what do you think happens to us after we die? Now you're getting into the real deep. Uh, yeah. OK. That that question I usually don't write about unless somebody has died or is dying. But but yeah, it's kind of back to the God thing. <laughs> back to the God thing. <laughs> Why are you here on this earth at this time? Wait. <laughs> Wait, I think I had this in psychology class. Well, I I know that that question um, sounds really like deep and broad, but I think it really makes people think about mm. their purpose. You know, I, I mean, the story we're working on now, but this guy, he didn't know what his purpose was until he tried to kill himself, and then mm. all of a sudden he figures like, well, God didn't let me live just to spend the rest of my life in prison. Mm -hmm. So what is my purpose? You know, right? It's like a huge epiphany, I think, for a lot of people. And then there's a lot of people who be like, I have no idea. You know, I have mm. no clue. I'm still looking for that answer. You know, like who will come to your funeral? Still trying to get more sources out of him, right? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, exactly. And what do you want your funeral to look like? That's sometimes a follow-up to that. Like, do you want to just quietly be sprinkled into the sea? Or do you want, like, a New Orleans marching band, you know, down the street with hot hurricanes in hand, you know? Okay, and now we're down to question 30. What do you want to be remembered for? Do, I, I do, think, people, do people quickly? That one seems like they could answer it fairly yeah, quickly. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have thought about that before. And sometimes it transfer, translates into, you know, what do you want on your tombstone? Or what would you like your obituary to look like? Or right. what would your epitaph be? But it's really about legacy, right? Like, what? how are you going to live on beyond this world? Or in the story, you know, the case of the story, beyond this moment, this really awful moment or this really great moment. Right. Or, right. I like that they're like ordinary questions, but they make you think about 
kind of like what sets you apart a lot of the time? They, they'd also be really good questions for a first date, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now this podcast has taken a turn <laughs> from craft to dating. Okay. If you have a question for Lane about any of her stories or you would like to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next episode. This podcast was produced by Denise Keenan. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.